Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell, that's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate, where, I mean, listen, 24-7 Sports has the best crystal ball service that you're going to have in the industry, but the Cover 3 tailgate's breaking out the crystal balls as well because we've got... Probably one of the most high-profile non-quarterback transfer portal entries of the last couple years. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, and also, similar to Alabama, looking at some of Kalen DeBoer's staff hires. But quickly, let's start off with another spot being filled, another spot being open. I don't have a list of San Jose State candidates. I'm sorry. I don't. I I no. Okay, let's go. Arizona hires Brent Brennan uh, as the San Jose State coach. Has you know, as we sort of identified, you know, going into it, there were spots in Brent Brennan's career where he pulled off some remarkable things. Twenty twenty COVID year, they have to evacuate the campus just to be able to play games to comply with all the different restrictions. They just like were a road team. You know, they go on these winning streaks. Uh, the Spartans do where you know this season, everything starts off rough and then they start rolling off wins near the end, even getting in the middle of the mountain West title race. You know, they have played for a mountain West conference championship as well. The, Danny, I know that, uh, you know, with the Mountain West and CBS Sports relationship, we have gotten to see a good bit of San Jose State. What's your what's your sort of expectation for the Brent Brennan era as Arizona makes its move to the Big 12? Um, so I've covered a game. I've met with him, uh, called a San Jose State game, met awesome. with him a few years ago. Um, like a nice guy. Um, think he's pretty good. Um, like with players, relatability. I think his players love him. There was a video going, uh, video going. I don't know if you guys saw it where they announced the Hawaii Bowl. And uh, to announce the uh, game, they had three teams on there, and he comes out there, shirt off, board shorts, carrying a surfboard, and everybody's like, yeah, the team went nuts. Like, I think he's got an infectious energy that's out there. I'm not as worried about Brent Brennan. I'm worried about the job he's taken. Um, they've already – and this is why I think Jed Fish was a no-brainer for him to bounce to Washington because, you know, they've got budget issues at the school. 
I mean, I, I feel like this is a safe, cheap hire. Mm. Right. Like, I, and, and that's not an insult to Brent Brennan. I just don't think like this was a hot name that everybody's going to be celebrating. And if you go back and look historically, Arizona's hired some big name coaches that they gave more opportunities to Kevin Sumlin, Rich Rod, like this, and uh, even Mike Stoops before that. Like, this does not fit the mold of what they've hired in the past. But if he can keep Noah Fafita, who by all accounts, including his own podcast, sounds like he's going to stay around for the duration. It's a huge asset, huge feather in his cap to keep him around. Um, but I'm more worried about you know his ability to keep the roster intact because they've already been getting poached for a while from the likes of USC and others. Their best talent is bought away. And I think that's going to be a struggle no matter who's the head coach. I, I think Brent Brennan can really coach, guys. I mean, San Jose is like, – what jobs do we think are tougher than San Jose? Kent State. Nevada. Nevada, Eastern Michigan – we're probably missing one or two more, but it, not many. I mean, that San Jose to me is kind of a top 10 most difficult job to win at in the country. And he consistently went to bowl games, flirted with bowl games. That team looks prepared. Their guys get better. I I think he knows what he's doing. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm, I like the hire better than going after a, a big name who is probably available for a bad reason. Right, like I like this a hell of a lot more than I like hiring Kevin Summon off A and M. So, I I think it'll it'll probably be okay. I, now, Fafita is tiny, so that might work to Arizona advantage. Like I bet you there are some big time teams who look at him and be like, he's really small. Um, can he really play here? But and McMillan's not. If they keep McMillan as no. well, I mean, right. and, and they were and they were but high McMillan school and Fafita are high school teammates. Right, yeah. they're 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 tight. So. If you keep Fafita, maybe you keep McMillan. I think that still has the the bones of, of like a solid team, depending yeah, on who I, else leaves and whatnot. Yeah, I, I, right now Fafita and McMillan are staying. We'll see. They got what thirty days to make their decision, and there will be plenty of phone calls, I'm sure, made yeah. during that those thirty days. So that that we have to wait and see. Just as far as Brennan is concerned, I think that like I, I'm with you, but I think he's a very good coach. Like if you look at his overall record at San Jose State. Like the last few years, it's kind of eh, but those losses have come in non-conference. Look at what he's done in the Mountain West, which is where he's competing on a more equal playing field. Because San Jose State the last few years has scheduled some tougher non-conference games, and they've lost them, and it's affected their record. But once they get into conference play, they've been winning far more often than not. And what's important to me is that you know you can look at that COVID year, and there's a lot of COVID results that we kind of just write off and say, okay, that's just a strange year, strange things happened. But the fact that he's continued to have success in seasons afterwards with a different roster, like there has been churn on that team and players have come and gone and they have still had good, you know, good results. That to me is a good sign for him going forward. So it's it's a strange situation to figure out going forward simply because we don't know what the Big 12 is really going to be like there is it's one of those. This is the first time in a long time where it's and we've talked about it a ton. This is going to be a really fun conference to watch because we don't know who the best team is going to be. There is no dominant team. But also, we've never seen a situation where like that vacuum exists and vacuums tend to get filled. So one of these programs might end up filling it and become a dominant program in the league. It'll, and Arizona's got a shot to do that if they made the right hire. But it is a Kirkland brand hire. Yes. Uh, yeah. Fancy Which boy. is not bad. Look, that, that can be a good deal. 
You know, there'd be a lot of wear and tear. You can be able to get a lot Oakland of irons hit the ball just as far as the titleists. I mean, Hey, the guy sold me on the Kirkland brand tequila the other day. <laughs> Works just fine. That, that is pretty. Actually, I've heard. Is that? Hey, listen. Not, not commenting on the irons. Yeah. <laughs> um, C plus. I have no idea it will work if how it will work out. Coming up later in the show, we're going to be talking about our way too early top twenty-five. Did you adjust Arizona based on where you thought you would have had them after? the losing Jed Fish hiring Brent Brennan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Significant. There was a massive adjustment from two weeks ago in a lot of teams. Yeah. Well, I, they were like what? They were like top 10 in a lot of like early, too early top. I, I never had them in my top 10 to begin with. But yeah, I, I've, I've adjusted them a little bit. I think the Dodd had them at six. Originally, I think he adjusted that to I 10. Before to 10. But yeah, I think the 10 to 12 was pretty popular. So, you know, we'll see. Again, coming up later in the show, we'll be breaking down our way too early top 25s. We've all put together our list trying to figure out what we can learn about the landscape moving forward. Uh, Also, look at turning our attention to Kalen DeBoer. Of course, one of the reasons, one of the pieces in these dominoes that are falling all from Nick Saban's retirement. Uh, There's a, there's basically like two ways to attack this as we're starting to see the hire come together. Um, you know, you you go out there and you get Kane Womack, you know, sitting head coach at South Alabama. You go and get Maurice Lindquist, the sitting head coach at Buffalo, to leave their positions to come be coordinators. We know that Ryan Grubb, you know, is, he's going to come and be the offensive coordinator. In terms of a ball coach, you know, you're talking about like, okay, you're you're assembling some some coaches that have you know high reputations that have gotten a high mark. You also are maybe curious about what this does in terms of helping Kalen DeBoer and um, SEC recruiting, recruiting their own roster. Tom, do you think it, let's go with the big picture first because the nitty gritty ties us to uh, our superstar transfer portal entry. Is it, as it has been suggested, a statement on the continued separation of power and also money, the fact that these coaches are leaving head coaching jobs to come be co-coordinators at Alabama. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a hundred. I mean, look at the coaching cycles the last few years. Like we saw last year, Sean Lewis left the Kent State job to go be the offensive coordinator at Colorado. And part of that is just the money that's available at these schools. But even Colorado at the time didn't have like, you know, the kind of money that the SEC and the Big Ten have to put on coordinators. There's also the aspect that a lot of these head coaches at these smaller G5 programs feel like they have a better path towards a head coaching job at a larger school via being a coordinator at a larger school. Because if you look at the last few coaching cycles, the Power Five jobs aren't hiring the up-and-coming group of five coaches anymore. Willie Fritz was, you know, he, he's, he left Tulane and got the Houston job, but that was after two really good years. And you look at John Sumrall, who in two years at Troy wins two conference titles, has a tremendous, you know, like that's a tremendous record for two seasons. In years past, the guy does that. He's getting a power five job. Like when those jobs open, it's like we got, he has to take the Tulane job because, you know, the power five gigs that were open, they had some interest, but they didn't want to hire the Sunbelt coach because maybe they're looking at what's happening at Florida with Billy Dapier. They're like, I don't know. But whatever the case, we are seeing that these jobs, the money that is available, 
they're not nearly as comfortable in spending seven and a half million a year on a guy making 400 grand a year already. Like mm. you can't really justify that raise. So if you take the guy who's making 800 grand and give him seven or you, you give him a, a more commensurate raise with what he's like an, an actual kind of, you know, something sensible to like three and a half, four million, that's going to be used against them by other schools. And it's going to be used against them by agents. Like they don't pay their coaches. You don't want to go there. So it's kind of created its own economy to where with the coaches getting paid as much, it kind of limits the pools you're allowed to swim in to find your next coaching candidate. But then at the same time, it also affects how people look at their jobs. Like it used to be a status thing. Like I'm the head coach, but now the money is so ridiculous. It's like being the head coach isn't as important. I'm Kane Womack. I've got, I've done a pretty damn good job at South Alabama. I'm a head coach. I'd rather go be the defensive coordinator at Alabama because I'm going to get paid a ton more. Maurice Linguist, I'd rather go be a coordinator. Is, is he, is Linguist actually getting a coordinator title? Cause when I saw the news, it was a position coach. Oh, co, co. Yeah. Co. Okay. Womack, yeah. Womack and Linguist. Still, he's co. leaving a job as a head coach to be a co coordinator. Like, Things are drastically changing in and Lindquist this And Lindquist might have been fired. Like he, Lindquist was not trending in the right direction in the MAC. That, no, they did not have a great season. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought he was going to get fired. Yeah. But you he didn't think that about Kane Womack. We've been looking no, at no. Kane Womack for years, and we've been like, hey, he's doing a great job at South Al. You got to look at South Al, a really well-coached team. I mean, to Tom's point, seven to eight years ago, he is on the path that you yes. take to go get a power conference job. And I agree with Tom that this is a faster track to a power conference job to go be a coordinator for Kalen DeBoer at Alabama. Billy Napier kind of screwed guys like Ooh. John Summerall, right? And, 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 and dudes like that from getting, you know, top half SEC jobs or like top third big 10 jobs. As we've seen with Indiana, you can still go Sunbelt to some of like the take the check, take the losses teams that aren't really competing for a big 10 title. And like, I think if, if Stoops had left Kentucky or something like that, I, I think a summer all could have got Kentucky. But I think Napier is sort of the cautionary tale now. Like, eh, it's a different type of gig. It's a different type of responsibility. And we just can't trust you to make that leap. So I, I do think Billy costs a lot of those guys, given how it's going at Florida so far. And he can turn it around. We'll see. But I think largely what we're going to see is G5 coaches level up to ACC or Big 12 jobs. And then you jump from there to the more power two, if you want to go with that, with a couple exceptions, obviously. Like some of the, like I think South Carolina or Mississippi State or a job like that could easily hire, you know, a Sunbelt coach and do really well. Also, there's there's the headache aspect of being a group of five head coach where you kind oh, of get yeah. to a point where you're like, what the hell am I even bothering doing this for? Because you'll recruit a player that, you know, kind of maybe flies under the radar, gets passed up by the bigger schools. You bring him into your program, you develop him. He has a good season. He's gone. Here comes the power five school says, Hey, come here, come play for us. And the kid is leaving. So it's like, it's probably a somewhat hopeless situation for a lot of these guys where they feel like all the work they're doing is kind of for naught. So maybe they just rather go be a coordinator somewhere. There is no um, formula like to get to be a, you know, a, a SEC or big 10 coach. There's no indicator. I do think there's a recency bias um, that hurts some of these guys right now, as you guys are talking about Billy Napier, other ones put in there, Scott Frost. But there's also guys like Mike Norvell, who's crushed it coming from Memphis. You know, that then before him, it was Fuente, who wasn't, you know, like there's just, there's examples That's of every way. Yeah, exactly. There's examples both ways of successes and failures. But I do think the recent trend, I think it's more about the shift in college football. 
and the money that's there and the resources and what you guys are talking about development. It is becoming like minor league baseball is the single A, double A, triple A to get to the NFL. And, you know, the SEC and Big uh, Big Ten are triple A, one step away from the NFL. You know, ACC and Big 12 are kind of becoming double A. And then you've got a lot of group of five teams at single A. So if you're a single A coach and you can make the jump to triple A and be a coordinator and you're a lot closer to being a triple A head coach, I think you're going to do that. The other thing, did you guys see their salaries? Lindquist is 675 is the head coach at Buffalo. He's probably doubling that. At Bama, Womack was eight fifty. He's making a significant raise, so like it's an easy decision for these guys. And you have to thread the needle, especially at Buffalo. Like, if are you going to win the MAC? And that's probably what you have to do to become a next head coaching candidate. South Alabama, you got to win consistently, or you go to Bama, and you're really close to winning the SEC. And you don't even have to win; you could be a playoff team, right? Which you're probably going to be no matter what. And then everybody's like, oh, look at this defense. Look at this great, you know, look at these guys. So I think it's all like what you guys are saying. I totally agree with. I think, too, like this is very much a long-term projection. But kind of like, you know, like a snow leopard whose population numbers are dwindling. G5 football is like on the endangered species list. The way things have changed in the last few years and the trends, that just the direction we're going, because things tend to speed up the further you get along. I just don't think it's going to be financially sensible for a lot of these schools to keep doing this in the future. I, th- I think oh, that we're think, looking at a situation. You mean, you mean oh. shutting down the programs? I don't know if I'd say they shut down the programs, but maybe competing at this level. I think they're going to have their own championship. Yeah, I think they're going to have their own league is what I'm saying. Which I think it'll be good. I don't think I think that'll be good for them. I think it'll be healthy. I think there'll be more than enough money to go around to keep them going, but they're still going to get plucked. The best talent's going to get plucked. When they make us do eight shows a week instead of our normal amount, it'll be really good to have the second playoff and the second championship <laughs> to occupy our show schedule as the Cover 3 podcast continues to expand. Okay, so, you know, good ball coaches, but what does it mean for recruiting? And specifically, what does it mean for recruiting your own roster? Because I am calling up the Alabama 24-7 transfer portal page. Incoming transfers, three. Outgoing transfers, 27. And the name at the top is very significant. We'll get into that and more around Alabama next. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, you thought the transfer portal was closed. And then all of a sudden, one of the most talent-rich rosters had its head coach retire has opened up a feeding frenzy for the programs at the top of college football. So let's hop on into the portal. (laughs) 
It was a back and forth sense of reporting. You know, after Nick Saban retires, you're looking to a lot of names, but the the one you were looking at that is the most significant is CBS Sports Freshman of the Year, Caleb Downs. Someone who is already thought to be a surefire first-round pick, somebody who showed up on campus at Tuscaloosa as an early enrollee, was basically immediately penciled in as a starter, athleticism, football IQ, everything. Just off the charts for Caleb Downs. And now, as of Wednesday morning, reports indicate, and it sure looks like we've got confirmation, Caleb Downs is into the transfer portal. Bud, is Caleb going Downs to Georgia? <laughs> that was my thought. When Nick Saban retired, I was like, okay, so is Caleb Downs going to go to Georgia or maybe Ohio State? Because he's not going to stay at Alabama, right? And right. I thought it would be Georgia. I know we said on the uh, on the show the day Saban retired that he was – probably the guy that like most look out for that's the best defensive back they've had since pick of Fitzpatrick in terms of talent. And I think there's a pretty good chance he goes to Alabama or sorry to Georgia, not to Alabama. And that would be fun. I mean, a lot of that has to do with um, T Rob and being in like, cause there yeah. was, he's going to go to Georgia and no, he might stay. And then after meeting with uh Kalen DeBoer for what was reported to be hours to discuss about his potential future uh, with the Alabama Crimson Tide coaching staff. He elects that he's going to stay with Georgia. He will be the co-defensive coordinator for Kirby Smart's Bulldogs. The way that I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, is that Robinson just played a huge role in getting Caleb Downs to Alabama in what was a hotly contested recruitment coming out of high school. And so when you've got that connection, Robinson's own defensive backs focus that he's got right there throw in NIL or whatever else strings you need to pull to make it happen. Uh, Georgia seems to make sense. And it's, it's too bad. A, I mean, it's too bad we can't get him to join Alabama East, which used to be Georgia. Now it's Tallahassee. <laughs> I mean, like get him with some of his boys. Seminole's already got a slew of dudes from Alabama. Why not join them? But uh, I agree with what you said. Would this be the first? I was trying to think of this. I may be way off here. But Georgia hasn't like really gone aggressively in the portal, have they? I mean, because they've done such a good job. Their roster has been so good. I'm trying to think of where they've been. Wide receiver. Remember, they got Dominic yeah. Lovett last year off Missouri. That was the big one. Rob Thomas from Mississippi yeah. State. Yeah, because there's just not usually like an obvious area on their team where they feel like they can upgrade via the portal. Right. <laughs> that was my point. Like they don't need to go there so they can be really selective. So when they do go after somebody, you're like, oh, yeah, this is a player. And they're able to do that. He's it's, the most talented non-quarterback to ever hit the portal, right? In history, in the history of the portal. I don't know, but he's very, very good. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know, it, bud. <laughs> says, I, I, well, I was thinking I mean, about it's easy to go like, back hindsight because, like, Keon Coleman crushed it. Uh, Kenneth I, Walker the third crushed it. But like, I think going into the portal, as far as this much, yeah, uh, attention yes. and you know accolades, yes, I would agree with you there. I know it's like two years. Yeah. Assuming you keep them happy. Yeah. If you're, if you're evaluating college quarterbacks as an NFL personnel player over the next couple of years, if they throw the ball well against Georgia, they're probably worth drafting because that secondary, the next couple of seasons is going to be insane. So any quarterback that could pick those guys apart will probably be worth a pick. I, I, the most fascinating thing to me about all of this is Caleb Downs is great. George is getting them. They already have a stack secondary. Okay. To me, it's kind of going back to what we just met, talked about with Alabama a second ago. There are two different college football economies all taking place in Tuscaloosa right now. 
We just talked about how Alabama is kind of just in a different world and these programs are in a different world and that they could go poach sitting head coaches and bring them as coordinators and co-coordinators because they have that much money available. But on the other side of that coin is something, you know, Bud has talked about since Saban stepped down and said earlier today, their NIL game is a very different situation in that a lot of these kids came to Alabama at a discount for the chance to play for Nick Saban. And now that Saban is gone, Alabama is not, they're situated enough financially to go steal somebody's head coach, but they don't have the operation right now to keep some of these kids in Tuscaloosa. So it's just, it's a fascinating view for me at the two different college football economies that are dominating the sport right now. And Alabama's on both ends of each right now. How many kids on Bama's roster do you think could pick Kellen DeBoer out of a lineup before he got hired? None. And I would say like maybe one, maybe yeah. two. Like they don't know who Kellen DeBoer is. Kellen well, DeBoer is recruiting these kids. All podcasters out here couldn't pick Kellen DeBoer out of a lineup. Right. So I mean, I like, gave you guys the Atlanta airport example, right? November 15th, Kellen, and I consider the Atlanta airport like the mecca of college football fans. <laughs> Travel through there all the time. There's it's always true. jerseys on a Saturday. Kalen DeBoer could have been traveling through the Atlanta airport on a Saturday or Sunday when they're all coming home and been largely unrecognized wearing a UW hat and gear. Like, it's just the reality of where, of like the explosion on the scene that he's been. And it's not a knock on Kalen DeBoer. It's just a reality of West Coast, you know, lack of recognition, East Coast bias, SEC bias. It's just a reality. Yeah, the only but, reason he'd get noticed is because you'd be like, wow, you don't see a lot of Washington fans right? in Atlanta. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, but... To the greater point, kids would take a serious discount to play for Nick Saban. Yes. I think some mm-hmm. of these guys who hit the portal are more than doubling what they were making in Alabama. In some cases, maybe tripling. So I think kids took a massive discount. Somebody on Twitter actually I got a lot of mentions today, but uh, said, do you think Byrne went with such a good developer X and O guy because he realized their NIL game was that far behind? I was like, I don't know, but that actually would make a lot of sense if he did. I, I I think Alabama's going to get it ramped back up, but I think this is a pretty clear case of kids like, I don't know who the hell Kalen DeBoer is. Sure, cool. You won a lot of games at a school that I can't find on a map, and you did good for two years at Washington, but I don't know you. You didn't recruit me out of high school. I've never really talked to you. You don't know me. You don't know my family. I can make a lot more money playing for a guy that I've heard of. Peace. I'm going to go to the school to finish second in my recruitment. You can't find Seattle on a map. That's a pretty damn statement of the He was saying Sioux Falls. Falls. Well, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> don't you think this is don't you think that's why Dan Lanning was probably the first choice? Yes. Yeah. Um this is no Dan Lanning is. Yeah. Dan Lanning recruits the this type of player. DeBoer does right. not so far. Right. Right. And this will be his first bit of adversity. Like I I don't know if you guys saw him at the basketball game, you know, getting introduced and thank goodness he didn't try to do a fake accent. Like everything was good. Like he hit it out of the park. But like the first thing I thought of is man, this is a new territory for him to be in, you know, and, and how do you handle this? And I know everybody says like, I know what it's going to be like, but you don't truly know what it's going to be like in the sec at Alabama. And you're going to get criticism. Like the phone lines are lit all day, every day. When you lose your defensive coordinator, the guy that you wanted, you lose your freshman, all American. Like this is already going to be his first. Wait, Proctor went into who's that? He said freshman, all American. I think he's referring to Downs. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Downs. I think that, that's the other one that people are watching. You want to see if they're going to keep Caden Proctor. If Caden Proctor goes in, Iowa might offer him the offensive coordinator title. <laughs> well, look, and I, was talking, yeah. I was talking about this yesterday um, on CBS Sports HQ, but 
man, this is a really tough spot for both Washington and Alabama in that all of your players can go, but if you you can't go into the portal to get anybody else. Well, no, there's a lot of guys who are still in the portal who have not committed. But they're not quality. Right. That's fair. When I rank, I do the player rankings for 24-7, and you keep scrolling down, 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 down. down. Oh, there's Jordan McLeod, James Madison quarterback. Down, 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 down. Oh, look, there's Will Rogers. who already. Okay, so you've got Will Rogers. Congratulations. Like that's There's just not a lot available. You're late to the party, and the best talent is talent that's leaving your roster. I mean, it's this a is, tough this spot. Is the ultimate, this is the ultimate, the pendulum has swung too far, right? Because before, you were screwed. Like, Will Rogers goes to Washington. You went there for Kalen DeBoer. You're at the school, and all of a sudden, he leaves. You would have been screwed. Like, you would have been, mm-hmm. I don't know if Jed Fish, from, like, I don't know if I want to play for him. You couldn't leave. A lot of these players did go play because they wanted to play for Saban. In previous system, they would have been screwed, lost a year of eligibility. But we see why some of that was a good thing because it prevented the devastation of a program. And I'm not saying Bama or Washington would be devastated, but my goodness, we're seeing some of the flaws in the pendulum swinging the exact opposite way, which is a good thing. Like, I don't want players to be trapped, but in the NFL, you don't have that choice. And if we're treating them like NFL players and they are making money, well, sometimes you got to make, you got to, deal with the decision that you made. And right now, players don't have to. Yeah, but if anybody's going to be screwed, I'd rather it be the guys making $8 million a year. For sure. Tom, when you said um, two different economies on display at Alabama, I thought you were going to take me into the mobile money against the Birmingham money and really start (laughs) to discuss the warring factions. Because Bud hit on this. Saban got in there, and he said one voice policy. All y'all need to get in line. And what they need right now is they don't need any boosters to be holding their checkbooks closed because they're mad at the other boosters. They need, they are competing with oil money. They're competing with tech money. They're competing with like mega, mega, mega boosters that are cutting like one big check solves the problems for half a roster. And this sort of like grassroots donation, everybody giving a little bit, it's going to be tough to keep up as the price tag is going up for being an Alabama football player right now. I'm uh, I'm interested to see if Saban can uh, can help with those fundraising efforts as well from his other office in uh, in the Malmore uh, facility. But if they had not made the playoff, they would be in a much better spot, right? Saban would not have taken so long to retire. They would have been able to pluck people from other rosters as opposed to just having this happen. They would have lost some of the recruiting class, but I think the this mass exodus is a greater concern. You can go if, back after spring, though, right? Go shopping. Yes, again. and look, Harder. what Bama should do is get its NIL act together and back-channel the hell out of some rosters for the spring portal. Right, and that's what I expect. Yes. I, I expect that. Sure better. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um yeah, we'll we'll be very interested. I think they will. Yeah, I th- I think that Alabama will still be in uh, a very very fine shape. They've got good ball coaches. They are going to have a stressful roster with a secondary that apparently is going to have seven freshmen. Thank goodness, no SEC passing. Where they're starting secondary right now. Yeah, yes. I was I was talking with uh, producer Jordan, who already foaming at the mouth. Of, Tennessee's offense getting to go against the secondary with nothing but rookies out there. But I was like, okay, but like Tennessee, Georgia, and who else 
is going to be able to really light it up because you still got Deontay Lawson. You still got linebackers and defensive linemen that are going to be able to stop the run. You got some beasts up there. So Alabama, you might be able to get them through the air. How many, how many SEC passing attacks are going to be able to go get Alabama through the air? If they played today, a lot. They're losing like 99% of, of secondary snaps. Malik, Everybody well, not, but not Auburn and South Carolina. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I still think that you're looking at a 9-10 win team. And that's not even in, including some, uh, some, some shopping that you might do in that post-spring window. If they, had to roll with, if they had to roll with this roster, they're not going to win 10 games. I'll but save it for our but, way too early top 25 discussion. Yeah, but they will. They, they, I'm sure they will do a lot better in the spring portal. I, I imagine so, for sure. Coming up on the other side, we, we wanted the NFL draft deadline to pass. We wanted to be able to start to put some pieces together. We got some coaching changes. So forget what you posted on title night. Ah, that's outdated. This is the most updated way too early top 25, and we'll let you know what our ballots look like. Next. 11 days left. January 28th is when the voting closes for the Sports Podcast Awards. And we are once again a finalist for the Best American Football Podcast category. So help us bring home some hardware. Use the link in the episode description here on YouTube. Uh, we'll throw it also in the chat for everybody in the Cover 3 tailgate watching live and on the episode description, um, wherever you get your podcasts on the audio side, you go hit that link. We also have a QR code on the screen for those watching live or later scan the QR code. That'll take you there as well. The whole process only takes about 30 seconds. You just got to get in there. You, you give them your email address. You vote for us. Boom, and you're solid. And we appreciate that it is your support in the Cover 3 tailgate that got us to be a finalist. We've been a finalist before, but we ain't trying to be no Buffalo Bills, y'all. Okay? No no more of this runner-up nonsense. Let's bring home the title. Your voting can help us help us get there January 28th, last day to vote. So be sure to go ahead and take care of that. We thank you in advance. All right. Way too early, top 25, bud. You posed this question, and I'm glad we can at least set the, set the table before everybody lo- rolls, their, rolls their own top 25 opinions out here. You, you asked, is yours power rating or do you factor in schedule? I'll start by saying I do not factor in schedule in this sense. I am not making a prediction of where you finish. I'm using a preseason top 25 as a starting line, you know, like the grid. If we were doing auto racing, you know, basically like what have you done to this point? Because if I'm predicting where you finish at the end, then there are teams from the ACC and the big 12 that I've got too low because they're going to finish with more wins and they're going to rise in the rankings. And there are teams from the SEC and the big 10 that I've got too high. Because guess what? They're going to play each other and they're going to start accumulating losses and they're going to fall. So, but I don't know how you do it. It's, I am not doing strict power rating, but I am probably closer to power rating than win totals, end of season rankings projection, because I think that that is a fool's errand when we know that most of the games between these teams are going to be coin flips 
So why do you think that you've got a better sense of that as opposed to a better sense of where the roster and the coaching is at? Right. I just think it helps set the table for the listener. Yeah. Right. As, okay. Like maybe Tom does it where he does, he does factor in schedules and, and there's no real problem in doing it as long as you just kind of cards on the table. Right. Like I, some people prefer that method. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, Hey, I include their, their likelihood of winning because of the schedule or I don't. Right. I, I try to do mine just power rating, like who I think would beat who on a neutral field at this point, given what these rosters are today. And I, I see others that I disagree with, but then I'm like, okay, the methodology here is different than mine. So if I use that methodology, I probably actually would agree. I don't know. I just think it's kind of important to set the table. Yeah. I had a very uh, complex formula that I used. Coaching, continuity, staff, like who are you coming back? Quarterback returning, strength of the position, entire roster thing. And then recent success too. Like I know, and there's some where there's massive turnover. So I'm like, I don't know if that success is going to continue, but I do think it's okay to give some credit for, you know, a run like Michigan has, even though they're losing so many people. Sure. But until we know what happened with the head coach, it's kind of like, mm, what do you do? But yeah, that's my, that's my formula. I put who I think is gooder at the top and who I think is worse or at the bottom. Well, what looks right? I mean, that's the other thing is I start throwing them on the inside. Does this look right? Yeah. And, you know, we're going to get into some of the tier discussions where I do think I've even got mine written out with lines between, for example, 12 and 13, 17 and 18. Like you could talk me into shaking these five in any order. I take it. But then I think there's a jump. So let's start right at the top. Tom, why don't you give me your top five? Uh, okay. Well, first, I just want to say I, I did tweet out a top 25 last week. That was nothing but Big Ten and SEC teams. <laughs> For and 25 spots? Yeah. And it was funny how many people did not understand what was happening. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, my top five, and this is just number one, Georgia wasn't that difficult for me. Like, I just, I think they're going to be the best team in the country next year. I like the situation they're in, and I like what they have coming back, and I like, you know, who they are. Number two, I had Texas. I just think that with they're losing some guys, but what what they have at the QB position, not just in the starter and Ewers, but what they have in the depth. In case oh, is that Ewers Arch Manning? Down. Is yeah. it Arch, Man Arch Manning? Arch yeah. Manning is the backup. That's right. I think then you add in like they've lost guys at receiver, but you look they've done a pretty good job in the portal already, adding a couple big receivers and that bond. And then they also got a what's his name from Oregon State, whose name is completely Silas Bolden. Silas Bolden. Houston. I think he's a good player. So it's, I like Texas. I like where they're stacked up. I've got Ohio State at three. Offensively, I've talked about Will Howard, but I also wrote a thing today about how clearly Ohio State is changing its philosophy on offense. They've got Will Howard, Trevion Henderson, and Quinshawn Judkins. They are going to be a running team. They, they're going to lean into it, and they're going to lean into a defense that has returned a lot of key players. I think Ohio State is pretty stacked going into next season, even if I don't love the QB situation. Oregon, I've got it four. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. And then five only for right now, because I mean, I don't know how which team he's interviewing with today, but right now I've got Michigan at five. If Harbaugh leaves for the NFL, probably going to drop him a few spots. Dang it. Danny. I had the exact same top five. That's oh, yeah. I, was writing down. I was waiting for something to go off. Exact same top five for a lot of the exact same reasons. Exact same thought on Michigan subject to change even though they're losing J.J. McCarthy, even though they're losing Blake Corum, like they have a very clear identity. 
of physicality and they're going to rebuild as long as Harbaugh is there. If he goes, and who knows, maybe it's somewhat, there's some continuity if Sharon Moore is just named the head coach that probably doesn't hurt him that bad. But if there's a major shakeup, I think it's concern. But for a lot of the same reasons, Ohio State was one that I saw a lot of people had it too. Um, still uncertainty, but like I kind of trust Ryan Day. Like if last year Kyle McCord was the worst you're going to get at quarterback, which maybe is the case or not, I think they're getting an upgrade in Will Howard. It's only a matter of how far up it goes, and he's going to have some good weapons to work with. Um, yeah, the roster's stacked, and we're just giving Michigan mule fuel if Harbaugh does come back. <laughs> it's like what? every year Ohio State's ahead of them, Michigan ends up. But I do think their roster will be more complete. If they fall short again next year, it'll be for the same reason they fell short this year, and it's not Kyle McCord. It'll be because the offensive line wasn't any good. I had Texas too as well, but there is some doubt about the jump to the SEC. Like, how does that impact them? But if we're not projecting where they finish, um, and I think Quinn Ewers either is going to take a step forward or he's not going to be playing. Bud, top five? Uh, Georgia won, and then I think there's three sort of interchangeable teams to me at the next spot. Uh, I went Ohio State, Oregon, and Texas. And then, like for five, I think there's about eight teams you could put at five, and, and make a reasonable case for. I, I do think there's, uh, maybe that's wrong. Let me count here. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, got four. Like, uh, no, five more. So I, I don't know. Do you like Ole Miss, Bama, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State? There, wh- wh- whoever you like, there the best, I guess. Um, I don't know. Let's have fun. Let, let's let's go Ole Miss. All right. <clears throat> so. Georgia number one with a bullet. Absolutely no uh, no debate there. I've got Ohio State over Texas. I think that we are seeing Isaiah Bond, Silas Bolden. They're doing good work through the portal to be able to restock what I've already detailed was a lack of skill position players. I don't have an answer for Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat being gone. I think that those two were right. huge. And that is the, like, we're dealing with the smallest margins. I've got Texas at three. I've got Ohio State two. Jack Sawyer, Tyleek Williams, Denzel Burke. Like, this is as much about the players who decided to stay instead of going pro as it was some of the transfer portal additions. I think Ohio State is is loaded, loaded up to be able to go have a statement season, which, for content purposes, that's just tremendous. I mean, there's just nothing better than Ohio State saddled with national title expectations. but So I've got Ohio State as my two, Texas as my three, and then Oregon four, Michigan five. I'll extend it because I'll, I'll draw that first line in the sand. Ole Miss six, Alabama seven, Penn State eight. And that's where I draw my first line. I think that's the end of that top tier. But so no you, Irish? I've got Notre Dame at 10. I've got Missouri at nine. So those are like right on the other two of that dividing line where I think I've, I'm more, I've more confidence in, for example, and this changes the way we talk back in the day, top six team, you're a college football playoff contender, right? 12 team playoff, but you've got automatic bids. I think you've got to be a top eight, nine team to be a college football playoff contender. When you consider all the different ways, the playoff selection process is going to go. I think that, Penn State, again, Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Oregon, Michigan, Ole Miss, Alabama, Penn State, those are the teams that in a yes, no, will they make the playoff? I would take yes and feel like not looking at odds, but I would take yes and feel like I had a decent shot of making it. My first line is after Georgia. 
<laughs> Agreed. Right. Yeah. Everybody Agreed. else. That's yeah. A, yeah. Agree there. Tom, how, how does sort of the rest of the top 10 break down? Uh, I'll go six to 10. Notre Dame, Penn State, Ole Miss, Clemson, LSU. I don't have Alabama in my top 10. Not right now. Too many questions. Clemson, huh? Yeah. Somebody's got to yeah. win the ACC. <laughs> They'll be in the top you, 10. We already have established you hate F- FSU, so we know you're not going with them. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but no, I mean, part of my thing is it's who I think the better teams are, but I, it's it's a mix. It's my power ratings plus my predictions for what will happen. And right now I would have Clemson winning the ACC, and if they do, they'll be in the top 10. Did you have uh, – what's that, bud? I, say, I think all those make sense. Like, like, There's nothing in there that just, in my mind, like that's egregious. I, 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 yeah. Where'd you have Clemson? I, I listen, Since you just mentioned, I got Clemson at 13. So I'm not – like, sure I have them too. I, that's yeah, the top 13. ACC team for me. Yes. I, I, I have them 13. Wow, these ACC haters. Wow. I mean, what about all the Florida State haters? Nobody had Florida State in the top 10? No. No, no I've got them at 13. Oh, my goodness. Where well, did you? Are they not again top three in the portal where they've been crushing it all the time? Yeah. You, you, you got Alabama. Alabama doesn't go their way, though. They're just quarterback safety to kind of make sure things go just swimmingly. You got Alabama's third best running back. You don't celebrate that like we got the, we're raiding Tuscaloosa. Maybe he's been misused. We got Jermaine Johnson was what? Was he the eighth best defensive Georgia. lineman at Georgia? I mean, they've ACC been doing this for a while. Where was Keon Coleman? He was what? The third best Michigan State wide receiver. No, no. He was their best wide receiver after Jaden Reed. But I think you've got to look at what Mike Norvell has built. Winning culture. I don't think it's outside. I don't think it's crazy to put them top 10. I put them right at 10. I think the portal work they've done is going to give them a realistic shot to win the ACC. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think they'll be favored to do it, but I don't think they're going to be big underdogs to anybody in the league. And Norvell is, I think, a much better coach than what Miami has. And you know, Clemson has not done any work in the portal yet again. So good luck with that. Again, they've done work, just not successfully. Correct. Yeah, that's they fair. Have, they, 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 have they did back channel some guys and see. Kick yeah, the they, tires. They, they got some guys on campus. You know, they, they made some contact. They, <laughs> they did work. They just were not successful at it. Where uh, did you guys have Bama? I, I had them seven. I had them nine. I had them six. I'm the Bama guy, haters, apparently, and I had them at six. But this, like, if they lose Caleb Downs, Proctor, like, if this thing continues to fall apart, I would absolutely move them down. So where does it get, Danny, where, where does it start to get a little tough for you? Where do you start to see it being difficult to separate these teams? Um, I'd say like where I, I started to struggle. I'm probably lower on Penn State, but I probably should be higher. Like the Washington, Utah, Clemson, Whoa. LSU. You're Washington ranked? Washington? Yes. <laughs> see, but that to me has more to do with the success that they've had coming into the season, like a respect tone there. I think Jed Fish is a pretty good coach, too. I don't think you can, in a coaching change in the portal era, I think you have to discount priors, prior seasons and like success a Fair. little bit. Like I've, I've got them at 24 and it is a sign of respect. And if one of you wants to talk me into another team, I don't have taken their place. They would probably be the first, one of the first teams, obviously on the cutting, on the cutting board. I also have them at 24. I, I had them unranked that they, they they've lost all three receivers. They lost the quarterback. They lost the coaching staff. They lost both tackles. They lost the guard. They lost the center. The but didn't Michigan lose all of that and then some they're, too? Oh, they're losing both corners. Muhammad and the other guy are gone at corner. They, they lose their one good linebacker. I think he's out of eligibility. I, 
Muhammad's I mean, looking for a new home. I know a school with a coach he knows that needs somebody in the secondary. He's like, Washington, so- Washington could miss a bowl next year, guys. Like they could go, they could go full TCU. Muhammad's a cor- they don't uh, very well. Like it's not like they have talent in the younger ranks. I saw uh, I saw Jabbar Muhammad, former Washington defensive back, very talented player, reportedly has visits to both Texas and Alabama. Good golly, Kalen DeBoer, you better lock that up. For everything that we have detailed here, that is a position. Kirby's going to take him just to piss off Alabama fans. <laughs> so good. College football is the best. But I could see them. I could see them being ranked. I I don't have them. I just in my initial top twenty-five, I did pre-national title game. I didn't have him in because I thought they would lose a bunch of guys. I didn't think we were going to lose Kalen Boer. And then I got a bunch of crap for it, and I was like, yeah, they're right. They should be ranked. But now they definitely – not definitely, but I, I really don't uh, – let's see what they do in the portal. They also lost Will Rogers. There's no scholarship quarterbacks on the roster right now, right, because Matt's Correct. also in the portal? Correct. Like it, George. So that means they're rating pretty low on Danny's returning quarterback. <laughs> yes. what, if, what if he brings in Noah Fafita? Does that change your mind at all? Yes. Yes. Um, where do you have Utah? Talk about it. We were talking about the the new Big Twelve and where Arizona ranked, and I I brain farted on it. I mean Utah I brings back. There is no chance that Utah is going to have the rash of injuries that they had this year, where they are going into some of their biggest games in October and just are down to third and fourth stringers out there. I've got Utah at eleven where they bring back almost everybody on offense, almost every significant offensive piece. Um, if everybody can stay healthy, that's a team that deservedly, in my eyes, should be top 15. And, and as I was splitting hairs between the likes of um, a Utah, Tennessee, Clemson, LSU, USC, that's kind of the where I've got them hanging out. Uh, I found myself moving Utah up, expecting kind of a big bounce back from the Utes. I think that that, that right now is my highest non-Big 2, non-Notre Dame ranked team. That is the highest ranked Big 12 team. If I was just to use my rankings, I would take Utah as the Big 12 pick to win. I have... See, the top 13 for me was pretty easy. No, easy, but like I, I kind of just had an established kind of 13 team, so I think will be really decent playoff contenders. And then after that, it was kind of a feel thing. And that's where I put Utah at 14, just because when I got to the Big 12... Now with Arizona undergoing all these changes, and it's just like trying to figure out who's going to win that random number generator. I think with Cam Rising coming back and a lot of the experience that they have, you have to, and then plus just the coaching and the culture of that program, you have to give them something of an edge. So I've got Utah at 14 because I think they could win the Big 12, but I also don't see them as a team that's going to go 11 and 1 or 10 and 2. Like they, they'll probably win the Big 12 at like 9 and 3, 8 and 4 ish. So they'd be in that middle kind of range there. Yeah, I, I, I sort of set reminders for myself when I do this, just be like, hey, sanity check. You can't have them higher than this. You really can't have them lower than this. And Whittingham's a guy to where like they can't have them lower than this is set, you know, pretty firm. So I I thought they should be somewhere between like eleven and twenty two. I I had them fourteenth uh, in mind. That's 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 the top Big Twelve team. You 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 mentioned this on the group chat that the high low teams. Who are who were some of those other teams that showed up? as uh, like a big disparity or, or that you recognized or sort of got your mind going in that direction. And then let's see where everybody else has them. All right. So everybody like the two, between 14 and 25, pretty much. I mean, like the, two, I, the two biggest splits for me were actually Texas A&M and Miami. Yep. So I think there's a chance both of them are really good. There's also a chance for different reasons that both of them 
you could have them unranked, and I also really can't argue that, right? So those are the two largest splits. The tightest split for me, uh, other than Georgia, obviously, was Notre Dame. Like I really think they should be somewhere between five and eight. Like you cannot have them top five, right? But they're well, also Riley Leonard. You cannot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that defense, like I think they're very clearly a top 10 level team. I don't think that they're a top, you know, four level team. Notre Dame's going to be a beast next year. It'll be, be a lot of fun to watch. I found it was interesting. I don't know. If, I don't want to like air your, your, your private, private messages. Here. No, no, it's fine. You said 18 to 35. I was running out of names at 23. Like I was, I, I was really grasping for straws here for some of those last spots. Or this is where I don't like these. Typically, you just go to historical success brands like, oh, they've got to be good this year, and you just kind of flow them in there. That is pretty Texas pretty good. Did you guys have Texas A&M in the top 25? I did not. Nope. I did. Mm-mm. I think you the did. work they've done in the portal is excellent. I think they're going to get a major boost over not having Jimbo Fisher as their head coach. And, I, yeah, I, so people I really respect like Wegman a hell of a lot more than I do. So, yeah, I, 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 had, him, uh, I had him 16th. Um, wow. Uh, I had wow, them yeah. in that group of just outside where I mentioned earlier, you could talk me into replacing Washington with Texas A&M. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, I could take that. I had Texas A&M, Iowa, and Miami in that group where if, like, if you wanted me to switch out a 22, 23, 24, 25 for one of those, I, I would think hard, but I would, I would probably listen to your argument. I had Miami at 18 uh, and largely based on the Cam Ward move. I think he's a difference yeah. maker. We talked a lot about him when he was in the portal, what he could do for whatever program he went to. Um, even if the offense isn't a great offense, he can still make plays just because of his escapability, his mobility. He's been a really, really good play, player, passer. Uh, I think it's a huge upgrade at that position, some stability they they need. Um, I think it reminds me, he's like a better Derek King. When he went there, they kind of had a, a strong year. Um, I think it's going to be a difference maker for him. Let's, uh, let's, it, let's, let's do a little uh, interactive here with the tailgate and with a little bit of time we have left. Um, Grant asking about Oklahoma. Oklahoma in the 12 to 17 range? I have him at 15. 16. Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. 16. Yep. I had him 12, but didn't love it. Honestly, I I, I, I just put like a note, the note I gave myself was somewhere between 10 and 20. Yeah. Where'd you have Oklahoma State? Anywhere in the top 25? 22. Unranked. They're, they're one of those 21. 18 to 35 teams for me. Yeah. If you want them ranked, cool. If you don't want them ranked, also cool. Totally. Ollie Gordon. <laughs> and a bunch <laughs> of guys returning. Yeah. <laughs> like, and QB on his seventh year. Yeah, come on. Did that, you see producer Jordan chime in? What? What, what do you think? He's asking Where do for we Tennessee. Have Tennessee? Yeah. <laughs> oh, said that. 12. I had him 11th. 2017. 20 <laughs> 22nd? Mm-hmm. Prove it. 17. That, that's actually like... <laughs> what I was doing is I, I had him 10 to 20 as far as the, the range. But isn't prove it the Oklahoma argument too? Yeah, but like, Oklahoma. All right, year three of Brent Venables, prove it. Let's, but, let's yeah, no, again, this is it's, the SEC is going to look pretty strange next year with all these new teams. Somebody's going to have to lose these games. Tennessee could lose them. Louisville. I got him 20. 21. Unranked. 24. They got. Yeah. Uh, they flipped the former Tennessee, like one time Ole Miss pass rusher, Tyler Barron. Mm-hmm. I think. 
That was the one I was like, I'm not really sure Tennessee is super shaken, shook up about losing him. Well, I mean, clearly his commitment skills are uh, <laughs> low if he's going to jump on board with Ole Miss and immediately jump to Louisville. But uh, I, I, I think that from the Louisville people, they look at Jeff Brom's portal work and they're like, okay, we're at least keeping pace. We're losing a lot, but we're bringing a lot in. Louisville might just be one of those portal teams, but you know that's not a bad spot to be when you've got the resources to be able to pour into that operation. Did any of you uh, Power 5 snobs put a Group of 5 team in? I had Liberty at 25. I, I had Liberty at 25. I put SMU at 25. I had They're ACC at, chip. I know. That's <laughs> I had them at 23. I, I'm telling you the closest thing I've got to a Group of 5 is SMU. And if you ask thought, Florida State, you said lawsuit, you had Clemson at 11 or whatever. No, no. If you, if you ask Florida State's lawsuit, SMU is a group of five team because <laughs> they, they are just bringing, they are not, you are not doing your fiduciary duty as a leader of this conference if you're welcoming in SMU. I mean, come on. I had SMU and Liberty uh, in my 18 to 35 list. Like you could, but all right, did you have, uh, did you have Florida anywhere? No. Did you have Virginia Tech anywhere? They're in, no. they're in that list. West Virginia? Yes, no. in that list. But not convincingly higher than 18? I, no, definitely not. Illinois? No. No, I but I was going to ask Tom because they're sort of on that. The, I think they're like better than Syracuse is. And I, I didn't have Syracuse in there either. Um, I got one for you guys. Yep. USC. They're I've got USC list. at 15. 17. Yeah. Uh, 19. I think Danton Lynn's a good hire. And then speaking yeah. of hiring head coach, all star cast on the defense yeah, yeah, side yeah. of the ball now. Got North Dakota State's head coach is coming in to bring a little toughness. Um, they spent the last like six years just getting recruiters on defense and then not coaching them. And Lincoln's done a complete 180. It's like, all right, we don't need recruiters. We just need guys who can actually coach these dudes. I've got Kansas at 18. Uh, well, yeah, I, I 18. Kansas up there. Yeah. Jalen Daniels back. Yeah. That's I think that uh, you lose the offensive coordinator, but I still think that we don't t use that as like an offensive coordinator pixie dust situation. It's just a well-coached football team. I've got NC State at 19. 19. Same here. Yeah. There, I just, I have a, I, like legitimately have a really hard time differentiating like 18 to 35. I, I, mean, I, I, I don't. I think I could just, I could just flip coins on these. Like NC State, Kansas, flip a coin. USC Virginia Tech, flip a coin. Like well, I, when I'm comparing, like you're right, how they could finish, but NC State and Kansas to me clearly have much more going for them than um, Virginia Tech. Vatek has a lot of experience, and they got a lot of important guys back. Like they kept most of their studs away from the portal, and they don't they lose a lot of draft. Got that offseason momentum. I mean, we're not asking these guys to go win a league. Or, or to go to the playoff. Right. But like when I'm, when I'm filling out the, the difference to me between 18 to 35 is a little bit of prove it. Right. Yeah. And Kansas mm -hmm. and NC state proved it this past yeah. year. Virginia tech I took agree. a big jump, but I, I think we got a little bit more of like institutional momentum rather than a little bit of a one season bump. Where do you guys have North 18 to 35? Sorry. Go ahead. Tom. No, I was going to say, where do you have UNC? Nowhere. No, no, it's same here. Okay. <laughs> um, Arizona, Iowa, Kansas, Kansas State, Liberty, Louisville, LSU, NC State, Oklahoma State, SMU, Texas Tech, UCF, USC, Virginia Tech, 
Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin. It's my 18 to 35. West Virginia. That's alphabetical order. Like those are the teams that I think maybe I'm missing somebody. Syracuse fans think I am. I don't know. You gotta you got you gotta get out. Nah, I gotta see it. This again, it's a starting point. This right. is it's just kind of the way I see it there at the beginning. And look, you string together a bunch of wins. The Syracuse fans should know. You strung together like five or six wins in the early part of the season, made the rankings before. It's that whole October, November that ended up uh, costing them down the stretch. UCF. I did not include them, but I would probably sniff around a little bit more there and and be interested in um, in cycling them in for a – for a Washington, you know, or an SMU along the way. An SMU team, which, by the way, just bum slayers this year. Yes. We give Rhett Lashley all the credit for, you know, going out with the bang and doing what you needed to do. You overcame some injuries at quarterback in key games, and that's all awesome. But they walloped on up on non-bowl teams on their way to a double-digit win season. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, did you guys have Maryland? The, the, no. the chat is suggesting Maryland. I, I did not. I did not. No. I no. Maybe I should. That's I. I, don't, I haven't really done a great deep dive on them. If you I don't think to, they're going to stink or anything, but they're not a top right. twenty-five caliber team to me. If you have to do a deep dive on them, then they probably don't have enough pieces in place to be able to crack your top twenty-five. Like they might be twenty-third when they start off four and zero before they get into conference play. And then they'll Nebraska. Fall. No. I think there's bit. some chance. I, I, yeah. I, I, they were like my first cut for the 35. They're my, my, my last cut, excuse me. Yeah, even with all the question marks, I would rather take Iowa. You know, I might even rather take Wisconsin after picking up Tyler Van Dyke. I've got Wisconsin at 23. Yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about Missouri specifically, but I think everyone mentioned him. I've got nine. 12. 10, but like with a reminder to not move them up more than 10 as other teams lose. They're like, hey, this is an acknowledgement that they're a good, experienced team, but with a defined ceiling based on talent. And I think they're probably, if they win a bunch of games, there's probably going to be a point where they're much higher than their actual talent level is, just based on how pol- you know, pollsters work. But it will be they're a pretty good. tight range, too. Like I have a hard time seeing them not be like a top 16 or 17 team but I really don't think they're a true top 10 team. I think they could be a top they're 10 team. Sorry, like, like, I don't think they, they're like, like a, a team that threatens top five. Right, because you're just not, you're simply not putting them in the same conversation as Georgia, Ohio State, Texas, Oregon. On athletes, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way we see it. How do you see it? Let us know in the comments. Hey, speaking of getting interactive, Thursday's coming up. What's Thursday in the offseason? Oh, it's a day to dive into the big old bag of mail. We also take a lot of questions from the Cover 3 Tailgate Live. You can reach out to us on Twitter or email or otherwise. Uh, a lot of questions that we we call them old Lindsey Buckingham questions. Didn't quite have time for them. We got a bunch in the mailbag. Uh, you go in there and fill it up. We'll continue to build it out and continue to get to them in future mailbag episodes. So come hang out with us 11 a.m. Eastern Time, youtube.com slash Cover 3. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Finelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.